the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height sitting in today for Mr. Ed Martin here to kick off the show. Glad to be with you. Glad to be here to talk about some of the things that are happening. And uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, there there is a lot happening. There's a lot of good stuff going on, though, in the midst of all of the uh, scary news and headlines and the uh, really awful stuff that happens around. But there, there's a couple of things I wanted to hit on today, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, let me go ahead first and make sure that I remind you, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Also, you can go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. There you will be able to get uh, not only the podcasts and the standalone segments of all of our great guests, but you can find all the resources that we post. But most importantly, go over there to sign up for the email list, the email list that is going to bring you every single morning the What You Need to Know, the Wink email, really good, really short and crisp, good information to your inbox every morning. Not one of these big, long newsletters. Head over proamericareport.com, phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, but that said, we got a great show today. Um, we got a couple of good guests. Ed does some good interviews that you're going to want to hear. I'm looking forward to hearing. Um, I know I feel like I say that every time I have a chance to talk to you, but it's really true, man. We're just on a rip of good interviews this year. Uh, looking back through 2023, maybe we'll uh, do that. I'll put the bug in Ed's ear, see if we can do a little bit of a rewind here as we come to the end of the year, because there have just been some incredible guests. And I always love that we talk to folks uh, a lot of the times before they get hyper popular. Before someone gets on Tucker, we had kind of found them, put them on the radar. We had talked to them. And there's just it, it, it proves that there are valuable people with valuable content that we're able to find and, and do a good job talking to and bringing onto the program. I'm always appreciative of Ed for that. But um, we've got a couple of good ones today. Carrie Sloan, uh, the director of uh, the executive director for education at the Crime Prevention Research Center. He's going to join us, talk a little bit about domestic violence and gun rights, that relationship between the two there. Uh, and then also we're going to talk to Kellen Jones. Uh, he's a contributor at the Daily Caller, uh, also an author at the Cowtown Caller. He's going to talk uh, about writing, the uh, legacy of writing. Uh, I think they're going to talk a little bit about Phyllis Schlafly, too. And I know that he has uh, a new piece out called The Election Day Primer. Uh, and we're going to make sure that we talk about uh, writing, being informed, uh, looking forward across uh, issues that are coming up. Uh, both really good interviews that I think that you're going to want to stick around for. I am looking forward to hearing them here as well. But uh, let's uh, let's go ahead. I've, I've spent enough time on what's awesome and what's coming up. Let, let's talk about what you need to know. 
let's talk about uh, something that I think we're, we're going to kind of skip over a few headlines, and I want to draw out a common theme of something that is happening. Uh, it just it kind of reminds me um, from two or three things that have happened this week uh, amidst all of the, the news against uh, President Trump and all of the lawsuits and Hunter Biden trying to get him pulled into the stand and Hunter's uh, 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 federal gun charges case and uh, all of the lit, uh, all of the very well the lawfare that is happening from Georgia to New York uh, the attempts to get Trump thrown off the ballot uh, in Colorado uh, that got smacked down in Michigan I don't know if you saw that but that happened um, there was a, a Michigan judge that ruled just this week that Trump can in fact remain on the primary ballot obviously these attempts to get him booted off the ballot are quite far-fetched considering he's not actually been convicted of anything yet and, and there haven't even been trials on some of these things there's just been charges and accusations leveled uh, and those are pretty thin at that but through all of these things through all of this lawfare garbage that's being thrown at him i think what we can safely say at this point and this this conversation isn't really don't take this as an endorsement of a candidate that's not what i'm making here although i think at this point it is regardless of who you'd prefer i think that what we're looking at is the primary being wrapped up pretty neatly uh by donald trump so it, it appears as though he's going to be the nominee I, I you know tim scott dropped out of the race uh mike pence had already dropped out of the race a lot of these folks who are running uh they're bringing good points and good messaging if they you know, want for their perspective on an issue uh, to the field but the seriousness of the polls uh, shows that this is almost pretty well wrapped up but but here's what's happening here's the dynamic and and what i want you to take away as we look at all of these headlines the lawfare against trump trying to remove him from the ballot hunter trying to pull him in on the stand for his case that's going on in federal court um this is all a very concerted effort to scare the American people, to make us leave behind a candidate, a former president, uh, who has done an incredible job when handed the responsibility uh, and power of office. Because in Donald Trump's first term, there were an incredible amount of accomplishments. Now, make no mistake, I had a laundry list that I would have loved for them to have done more. I, you know, abolish the, the Federal Department of Education, abolish the ATF. A few of those agencies that just really either are, are kind of awful in the way that they behave or, or just ought not to be there at the federal level. You know, I, I have this whole laundry list, but some of these things didn't happen. You know, I and I, I'm not really kidding but <laughs> you know I, these things didn't happen but there were good things that happened there were great things that happened the economy went uh, forward at a roaring pace we had a lot of fertile ground tilled up and sown allowing freedom uh, religious liberty on on a host of different levels across a different spectrum so do i have some issues as we all do uh, especially when it comes to the final year to the covid response yes do Republicans spend money like I want them to? No. Is it as bad as Democrats? Often no, but still in the wrong direction. All of these things are true, but we had a wonderful first term, and we have, by all appearances, an incredibly powerful case of a candidate just steamrolling through to another victory. Again, absent fraud, I don't think there's really anything that would stop the Republican candidate, particularly if it's Trump, from winning the general election 2024. Again, absent fraud, which is a big absent. That's a big but, but all of these things that they are throwing at him, that they are just 
pounding us with in the headlines each and every day. These points about Trump's um, illegitimacy on a state ballot somewhere or the charges being leveled against him privately or over his time in office and something related to election interference or this or that or the other. All of these things are election interference in and of themselves. And that's what you need to know. And this is kind of, I guess this is a what you need to do in addition to what you need to know. But what you need to know is don't back down from the bullies. The narrative machine, which Ed so eloquently has uh, put together and described this deadly combination of the big media controlling what you think, big tech controlling what you say, big government controlling what you do, this narrative machine, this trifecta, and I'll go ahead and throw in the institutions of academia uh, and the, the White Castle or the ivory towers of, um, of, uh, of uh, entertainment media, not just the news media, all of them together. What they have done is sewn up this nice package of intimidating and bending the will and the fear, preying upon the fear of the American people ahead of an election, where a lot of folks would be predisposed to say, yeah, I really liked that guy. Yeah, he's brash and he tweeted a lot of stuff and I wouldn't have said things the way that he did. Maybe I'd have gone farther, but he was good. He worked. He got stuff done. He didn't get us involved in foreign wars. He didn't send tens of billions of dollars into foreign conflicts. He didn't threaten to send U.S. troops. In fact, he got done what was needed to be done when it was called for and then got our troops uh, out of harm's way. He withdrew us from a lot of escalating circumstances overseas. He enhanced my bank account and yours. He made our economy go roaring forward. My prices of gas came down as they handled energy well. Uh, Our competition grew stronger as people had confidence in the economy. These were all wonderful things, and I believe very firmly that a good group, a very good group, probably a good solid majority of the American people would say, yeah, I'd do that again, because it worked. He wasn't an ideologue. He just got stuff done. He made deals. But the left is pulling every single trick, every stop that they possibly can to prevent that from happening again in a serious way, to prevent Donald Trump from being a serious contender. They are trying to scare us into submission, even though every single lawsuit and piece of lawfare that comes against him is so thinly stretched on having any real evidence. This is all a push, a ploy to bully us around and to scare us and to scare people into moving away from Donald Trump. And I'm reminded of this again. I see, you know, yesterday, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the U.S. House, um, announced very plainly, matter of factly, oh, yeah, I endorse Donald Trump. I've always been a staunch defender of the president because he got stuff done. He did good things. He unleashed all of the sectors that we would want someone to do. He made deals that were good for America and he put Americans first. It was a good time. I'd do it again. I wholeheartedly support him. That it's just so normal, and they want to make it so scary. Don't and again, make no mistake. They're going to do this to whoever it is. It could not be Donald Trump. This is the the new tactic of the left to use fear and scare tactics and lawfare to beat us into submission to make this election a selection of their choice. We cannot let that happen. Don't bow down to the bullies. That's what you need to know. That's what all of these things have to do with each other. Trying to draw it all into a net. There, we can't back down from the bullies, and that's exactly what they're trying to do to us. So. Uh, 
that's what you need to know today. But I'm going to wrap it up there. we got to get on to the rest of the show. Uh, go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the email list. Get all the resources, the links, the podcasts, and come on back right after the break. We're going to dive into a couple of great interviews. We will see you then uh, in just a moment back here on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. I have this great experience in uh, in my life um, where I uh, work with people and I come across people who have either uh, known uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, worked for her, been inspired by her. And uh, one of those things happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, there is a writer. In fact, uh, Kellen McGovern-Jones is a, a Texan. He's written everywhere from the Western Journal, our friends over there, Floyd Brown and others, Daily Caller. And he's got a great substack. And in the substack, one of the things he does is he mentions Phyllis a couple of times in one of the ones that I noticed. And I said, reached out to him and said, let's talk. And so uh, welcome to the program. Kellen Jones, how are you, sir? Hi, Ed. Thank you for having me on. It's great. So first of all, remind uh, me and the listeners your um, your uh, Phyllis Schlafly-ness, uh, how you how you came to know about her, what your what uh, what she did in terms of uh, your uh, uh, work. Well, Phyllis Schlafly has always been a huge inspiration of mine. Um, I remember growing up in school, uh, Phyllis Schlafly was the only conservative that wasn't elected president. Uh, um, that, <laughs> that was mentioned in our textbooks. I mean, there'd be all this hoi polloi, all this celebration of Gloria Steinem, the feminist, and uh, Malcolm X. And Phyllis Schlafly was the only one in the Texas school books. So I've That's always right. grown up knowing, I've always grown up knowing about her. I read... Uh, monthly newsletter, and I always wanted to do something like it. I also mm-hmm. thought about doing something uh, like a blog, um, and Substack afforded me the ability to do both. Uh, Phyllis is thinking I've read all of her books, uh, Feminist Fantasies being one of my favorites, and of yeah. course, uh, The Conservative Case for Trump, which right. uh, I know you were a part of. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yep. So her, her thinking and your thinking have been a hu- have had a huge impact on mine. Um, and our guest is Kellen, uh, Kellen Jones, Kellen McGovern Jones. So is your uh, Substack, I, uh, is it the, um, I got to get it right because I'm, I, I use Substack all the time and I write myself, but is it cowtowncaller.substack.com? Is that the one that would get to all your stuff or are you also as an author? Uh, I see that you have an author page too. I just want to make sure I'm promoting the right thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cowtowncaller.substack.com okay. is the appropriate place to find okay. all my stuff. I'm also on Twitter, um, at cowtowncaller. Okay, good. All right, good. So, all right. And uh, now let's get back to this here for a second. Two things you mentioned that are um, important. One is being a writer. Um, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she started writing when she was 14 years old, never stopped writing till the day she died. She was working on a column. Actually, the day before she died, she was finishing a, a column. Um, you Have you been a writer? Is that is that, um, is that your sort of um, uh, calling card in this? Are you Did you get up and come into politics? What, tell me about your background. Uh, yes, sir. I, um, I've been a writer for about three years now. Um, I'm a recovering attorney. Oh, um, there you go. I went to, I went to law school for a while, uh, hated it, got out of law school. Um, I took a bachelor's degree in political science with distinction from the University of Alabama and a master's of public administration from mm. the same. I started gotcha. writing 
um, I started riding with a small uh, Texas watch, a uh, government watchdog called the Texas Scorecard. Um, and then I branched out and started doing news reporting for the Daily Caller, which was founded by Tucker Carlson. And then I started doing commentary for the Western Journal, which I do to this day, although my primary fo- focus is the Cowtown Caller. Got it. All right. Now, uh, by the way, you, you mentioned something I to, to, to hammer home on this. It was one of Phyllis Schlafly um, figured out ways to make uh, her point and to make influence things. And most many people either didn't notice, know to do it or didn't have the uh, stomach for it. One of them was the Texas school books. If the Texas school book curriculum, what's in the school books, was changed and made more liberal or was made more conservative, it it actually echoed through the whole uh, country because Texas buys so many darn books that they, you know, they don't, they, they, the the textbook companies wouldn't do a new version for Montana. They would just make Montana buy whatever Texas had. So for many, many decades, and I'd have to go look it up and ask John Schlafly. It was probably three. She had people who were lobbying the Texas. Uh, Board of Education on the textbooks because she knew if you could, and she cared about Texas too, but it would echo throughout the country. I don't know if you ever heard that, but it's a really interesting history. And of course, two things have happened. One, uh, the textbook companies, many, many of them are totally woke now. But the other thing is uh, printing got uh, cheaper and you could make uh, lots of additions quickly. And so that's good for conservatives who want to make a better uh, textbook. But it's also um, made it so that, th- that you could have liberal states, uh, you know, Connecticut could make their own textbooks that would be lunatic. And, they, you know, they, in, the, in the old days, they would have been forced to buy, uh, you know, uh, a Texas. But that's that kind of history of that. Um, that was a big priority for hers and a project that she undertook. That's a, that's a phenomenal project, and I wish she was still alive um, <laughs> to be pressing uh, the uh, the educational issue when it comes to our textbooks. I know that in Oklahoma, um, there's some of the textbook publishers are withdrawing um, because of the res- uh, anti woke restrictions that right. Oklahoma is pushing. So it comes down to Texas um, to make the change on education, especially when it comes to textbooks. Unfortunately, um, our education system in Texas is a disaster. Um, parents are rising up across the state. They rose up in Keller, which is my hometown, um, which is funny because it's like half a letter off from my name, Kellen from Keller. Right. But, um, they rose up in South Lake, which was our neighboring town, and they're trying to fight the wokeness that's become endemic in our education system, especially with publishing. Unfortunately, um, we need stronger leadership uh, um, up top in education because there's only so much our grassroots can do. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And, and um, um, it, it's a great issue. I'm glad you highlighted it. Our, our, our guest, again, is uh, uh, Kellen McGovern-Jones. He is the uh, editor and writes at Cowtown Caller, which is uh, cowtowncaller.substack.com and over at Western Journal as a commentator. Hey, your post a couple days ago, I'm on November 13th, terror in Texas. FBI now narrowly intercepts planned Islamic terror attack in Houston. First of all, I didn't even hear that until I saw your Substack. I didn't hear about it. Second of all, um, I as I read through it, is this an example of um, homegrown terror? Uh, I guess is there is there an aspect of the border being wide open that it impacts this, or is it more uh, sort of and I hate to say it, a longstanding uh, problem in terms of the uh, transformation of some of these places and and creating uh, some cells? Well, thank you for bringing up that story. It's the intersection of everything that 
strong in America right now. You'll find uh, immigration, crime, the Constitution, all in that story. That story has been one of our most widely shared because uh, m- almost no one heard about it. In case your readers haven't heard about this story yet, there was yeah. a planned uh, uh, mass shooting in Houston um, that was go- going to be committed, according to the FBI, by a uh, by a Palestinian immigrant who was first given entrance to the country on a tourist visa. He illegally overstayed that visa, which is very common within our immigration system. He then was allowed to apply for asylum. Uh, uh, at that point, he wasn't immediately deported, which he should have been. Um, he was allowed to stay in the country while seeking asylum. Simultaneously, he made contact with others who were in the United States, and they started planning a um, Islamic terror attack in Houston. Wow. The most shocking part about that story yeah. is that I opened with a, with a table um, of all the planned yes. uh, or executed. Yeah, it, it was powerful. It is. I, I saw it. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, describe it. Right. It's a, it's a table, and it's probably about uh, 10 to 20 bullet points of um, planned or executed, and it's not even all of them. I just chose the... Uh, I want to say highlights, but maybe right. lowlights um, of our immigration system. All of these uh, planned or executed terror attacks um, were uh, either committed by foreign-born nationals or people born to uh, recent uh, recently immigrated uh, immigrants. Almost all of them from the Middle East. Um, this uh, this particular story uh, involving the uh, the current um, or the most recently intercepted terror attack um um is is absolutely a disaster and it's a story that every single one of your listeners should know about well i'm going to find it um and send it to you um phyllis schlafly just to take this full circle we're talking with kellen jones he's the creator the uh, writer the author and the editor of cowtown caller which is cowtowncaller.substack.com um and phyllis two weeks after 9-11 the the attacks on 9-11 phyllis gave a speech and she said this is an immigration problem. This is not a problem of Americans doing this. It's an immigration failure. And then she went on to say, and don't let us use this failure as an excuse to limit our citizens liberties i mean she was prescient in every way about both the truth which is it wasn't it wasn't about it wasn't about homegrown terror it was immigration these people overstayed their visas they were allowed to come there was not there was not seriousness of purpose and then um uh she she foresaw the patriot act um so uh, i'll send that that speech you'll hear it in her voice uh kellen you'll love it and uh, i'll try to find that link and send it unfortunately i'm out of time and i hate to do it kellen jones i'm gonna have you back again though uh very interesting and i'll put up on social media links to his writing cowtown caller but i gotta take a break it's ed martin here on the pro america report we'll be back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, you know, we, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had John Lott on, and he is a great writer and a great uh, leader. Uh, and uh, one of his team, uh, uh, Carrie Sloan, is joining us. She's the Executive Director for Education at the Crime Prevention Research Center. Um, and the conversation we were having um, that I was bouncing back and forth with one of her people was uh, the que- about, you know, what is the, what's the relationship and how do you think about 
domestic violence, which is, you know, real. No one says it's not real. And gun rights and gun restrictions. And, you know, uh, Carrie Sloan, welcome to the program. One thing that I've, I've asked this a couple times in the last few days is a lot of these things changed and questions changed in people's minds when they saw unarmed Israelis attacked by people who came in and, and, you know, in Israel, they were, you were not allowed to own a gun. And so you had people that were just sort of there and they were frankly horrendously slaughtered. Uh, there's no, no blaming them or anything. It just was horrendous. But people, I've heard more people talk about, um, we need to make sure our gun rights aren't limited. So first of all, welcome, Carrie. And, uh, and what are your, give me some of your thoughts on this important question. Well, thank you for having me. And it's, that's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting conversation, particularly with domestic violence. As we all know, domestic violence is one of the biggest arguments for gun control, uh, keeping right. children and, and domestic abusers safe. So it seems to be in theory with most, most people that if we put certain restrictions in place against abusers, that it's going to keep uh, a victim safe. However, uh, through my own experiences, my own personal experiences as a survivor, as well as now working with John over at the CPRC, it is, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Even working with him has made it even more evident <laughs> than my, right. than what I'd gone through before with my own personal experience that, uh, the laws in fact don't keep women safe. Uh, and, and they actually create a, a situation oftentimes, particularly with certain things like red flag laws and, and background checks that actually limit a victim's ability to have access to one of the most effective self-defense tools that she has available, which is a firearm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie, Carrie Sloan is our guest, and I, and I buried the lead. She's got this extraordinary piece. I'm, I'm now, it's in my notes here uh, that ran over the Wall Street Journal, How to Handle Domestic Violence and Gun Rights. It's unjust to deny constitutional rights without a trial. I'll put it up. But I know it's behind a paywall for some people, but um, I'll put it up there and I'll probably put it up and, and excerpt a bunch of it so you can see it. So but, uh, you know, how how in your experience and this is both your experience as a as a woman and a survivor and then now professionally. How do you ride the wave of the media that tries to make it so emotional, you know, and people say, oh, don't be emotional, be rational. That, that's like a, that, that, that itself is insane. People are going to be emotional, but you got to ride the wave and get back to, you know, what works. Yeah, and I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, side note, Ed, I'm happy to send you the link to that article that is where the article is actually posted on oh. the crime research. Oh, great. Great. Uh, oh, good. Website good. As oh, well. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Thank you. And yep. people, people can read it there uh, without having to go through the paywall. So I had a moment uh, many years ago, well, I shouldn't say many years ago, maybe about three, four years ago that uh, changed my perspective on how we approach this. And I confronted Kamala Harris and it went as probably most people would expect, you know, she, she blew me off. But my aha moment was when I was I was in a situation where I was face to face with a couple of her big supporters that were Moms Demand members. And they were talking amongst themselves. And uh, I inserted myself into the conversation and I said it was really unfortunate that Kamala wouldn't have a conversation with a domestic violence survivor about red flag laws. And I left it at that at that point. I didn't say anything. Right. And uh, they started in with their immediate talking points about, you know, protecting victims and so on and so forth. And I looked at them and I said, well, I'm the domestic violence victim. And oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you went through that. You know, they went into their social justice warrior empathy, you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. And then I looked at them and I said, but, but you don't understand every single one of those laws that she supports 
can be used against me by the man who's stalking me, but it, they don't keep me safe. And they were nonplussed. Right. I mean, just silent. And I, as the kids say, dropped the mic <laughs> right. and walked and walked away from them. But where, so I, I bring this up because as I'm, as I'm processing this information over the next few hours, I realize that logic doesn't work with these people. They, and, and, and if we're being honest, you know, women are, we think a little bit more emotionally. I mean, granted, we, we do have logic behind us, but we're definitely more inherently emotionally driven which is why they've weaponized women uh, against their own best interest using emotion to support gun control. Um, but it, I realized in that moment that me pushing that emotional button for these ladies allowed me to break that wall to get in some information that they otherwise would not be able to hear because they're used to people just henpicking them with the, you know, with those pesky facts and logic. So the way to really get to them is to use emotion, but not get emotional. And I have found that that works consistently and effectively. In fact, a lot of gun rights organizations such as uh, FPC and GOA have actually you know, pulled me in on, on some of that to help to break that narrative down. And, and it's amazing what happens when you see their minds when now all of a sudden it's personal or it's happening to a woman and, and she's saying, yeah, but I can't defend myself against the abuser because their need to be my social justice warrior to show me that they're empathetic is stronger than their talking points. And, and so it's, right. it's quite effective to, to use that approach. The, um, do you, uh, is there, um, is there again? We're ta- talking uh, with uh, Kelly, uh, Carrie Sloan, who is uh, the executive director uh, uh, for the uh, uh, Crime Research. Um, actually, uh, Crime Research, Crime Prevention Research Center. I do it all the time. Um, Me Carrie, too. Ca- yeah, ca- <laughs> Carrie, ca- and and Carrie the. Um, but again, I'll go back to this because it's almost like the woke, the woke culture, which we all say goes too far. I mean, it's hard to say this and I'll probably not get away with it, but I'll say it anyway. But the domestic abuse realm, um, it's almost it's it's almost like the default is to a certain set of positions. Right. And, and the, the, you know, for one, the man is always wrong, which I, I'm not saying he's not a lot of times I got to do all this caveat dancing, but, but, but the other one is that the gun, you know, guns are, guns are always make it worse. And again, it's a, it's a, um, it's an education thing, but it's also a sort of um, a, a big psychological hill to climb back up. It is. And, and it, the trick is, is that you've got to get those, I like to refer to them as metaphoric shields down so that you can get some of the facts in. And I became a firearm instructor and run my own organization, as a matter of fact, that does exactly that. And and it works. We get a lot of liberal women in our classes because I approach it from a very different space. Uh, and as soon as they're in the chair and I've got them actually listening, and once they realize how these laws can negatively impact their ability to defend themselves, Right. That's when you start seeing it change. When you get them past the rhetoric and the talking points and the false data, that's when you help these people understand how gun laws affect their lives personally, things start to change. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is a fundamental human right that we as Americans are blessed to have guaranteed in our constitution. However, the reality is that my sense of liberty is different than yours and it's different than somebody else's. So the the downside to that is to a, to a certain degree, I always say dangerous freedom over peaceful yeah. <laughs> slavery any day. That being said, um, people don't tend to get to take action until they realize that their personal liberty is affected. So we have to help people, particularly women, understand how gun control actually affects 
their abilities to, or that it infringes on their liberties. And then we can get in with the facts and the data, things such as, I know that um, you've probably seen this. We've all seen it. It's it's a grand talking point, literally from uh, the Senate and, and congressional members to gun control groups. In fact, it was just uh, brought up by the state's uh, justice during the Rahimi, U.S. versus Rahimi case last week. And that is the talking point that a woman is five times more likely to die if a gun is in the home. But there's two problems with that. First and foremost that research study doesn't actually say that a woman is more likely to die by a firearm. So they're tap dancing around language. But more interestingly, and I'm happy to share this with uh, to put with, for your listeners in their notes, the, the research paper on this. The very next paragraph actually says, however, if a woman is, if an abuse victim is removed from the home of her abuser, she's more likely to survive if she has a firearm. And that's something that they conveniently leave out of yeah, their topic. Sure yeah, they sure do. Um, un- unfortunately, leaving out, I'm out of time. Uh, and uh, oh. you're, you're, it's great. I hope we can have you back on again um, because your perspective. Carrie Sloan, um, as she mentioned, she started her own organization to help empower folks and women. Uh, but she's also uh, the executive director for education at Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, we will have you back on again. Um, and I will make sure we'll get that link from you um, to uh, make sure people can read your piece in the Wall Street Journal. But I've got to take a break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProMark Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The official unemployment rate among people actively looking for work rose to 3.8% in August higher than the 3.5% that was expected. The number of new jobs reported by the government for June and July was adjusted downward by a total of 110,000 in what has become a pattern of revisions of decreasing numbers in the prior reports. Yet during the same month of August, a reported 91,000 poor families from Central and South America migrated illegally into our country. This is the highest number during the entire Biden administration, and the real number is probably even higher. The Associated Press photographed a family of five, plus another man, strolling casually and illegally on our side of a border wall in Arizona. President Biden is doing nothing to apprehend and return the millions of unlawful migrants who would redefine American culture and politics if all of this is allowed to continue. Democrat-controlled New York City recklessly became a sanctuary city in defiance of federal laws, and now its mayor is crying for help to deal with nearly 100,000 illegals, which is a tiny fraction of the total influx. A few weeks ago, New York City Mayor Eric Adams complained that it's costing his city $12 billion to house and feed these migrants for three years. Hordes of illegals are sleeping on the sidewalks outside of the landmark Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown Manhattan, which closed during COVID and has never reopened. The city's shelters have filled to capacity, leaving no room for homeless Americans in need. The left is so keen on maintaining completely open borders, but their position is built upon a false premise that America's job market and social services are unlimited. That simply is not true. Every bed occupied by an illegal immigrant at a homeless shelter is another bed that cannot be occupied by a needy American. 
Likewise, every job occupied by an illegal immigrant is a job that is not filled by an unemployed American. Until we get our own house in order, we can be no help to other nations. It's time to stop the flood of illegal immigrants by closing our southern border. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Haidt here to wrap up the show for us today. Sitting in for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be here. It's a good show, great interviews, a couple of really hot topics that matter, and um, really good in-depth look at those. Uh, But I I wanted to circle back around real quick. There is something that I said uh, in the wink today, up in our first segment, that I wanted to come circle back around and and back up for a minute. Uh, And and as I do, let me remind you real quick, one more time, go to ProAmericaReport.com, PhyllisSchlafly.com. There's where you going to get all of our links and resources, some of these things that we're talking about, as well as the standalones. Today's. Grab it. Send it to a friend, family, coworker, um, something like that, because these important conversations we need to be having, and I want you to do that. Uh, it's important. Go sign up for the email list. You'll get it straight to your inbox. You can forward them those emails as well. L- let me come back around to this. I talked about, um, we, we here in the wink, we, we were talking about uh, not bowing down to the bullies, uh, what the left is trying to do through lawfare, through scare tactics, getting the American people to be afraid of supporting Donald Trump or any strong conservative, any strong outsider, for that matter, who's going to come in and disrupt the system, uh, which is the biggest thing that needs to happen right now, the biggest battle that we are in. But looking at that, my comment is that absent fraud, which again is a huge but, that's a really big but, uh, absent fraud, the Republican wins in 2024, Donald Trump wins in 2024, whoever it is, uh, and, and I mean at this point he, it is Trump, he is the nominee, is, is for all intent and purposes what it looks like, even though the primaries obviously have to take place, uh, you know, I, I know I'm not much for polling numbers, but polling trends are definitely something that you can extrapolate out of the public polling here in America, and, and, and this is what I want to come back around to, let me, let me tell you why I'm confident of that, it's not just that I feel it, that I have a premonition, uh, that I think I know better than ever one else it just we are moving that way and it is undeniable the groundswell of support behind moving away from some of the radical leftist positions that are being shoved down our throats um, we are in a moment where that is not the direction that america wants to go they want to go back the other way they want to go back toward a much more open economy a much more uh, open uh, look here's the deal we get to do this the way that it works you can't shove this down our throat and censor everyone else we are going in a bit of a cycle of backlash against this stuff this woke agenda and let me tell you why i I, i'm confident that absent fraud again a big but the republican wins next year here's let me there's another um uh let me let me just tell you another poll that came out and this one's kind of telling again we we talk all the time about polls on this show um you you know here at the pro america report we know that polls are, are garbage Polling numbers are just so easy to conflate one direction or another, to misread, to miscast, uh, to not uh, pull the right sample. It's awful. But uh, uh, trends, polling trends are definitely something you can pick up on. And here's a trend for you. Um, 
<clears throat> pardon me, as much as we are seeing the just astronomical lead that Donald Trump has in the primary across every poll, left-leaning polls, right-leaning polls, pro-Trump polls, anti-Trump polls, he just has this dominating commanding lead. There is a trend there. So even if the numbers and the sampling we don't specifically trust, the, the trend is fairly undeniable and probably a pretty accurate representation. You understand that? That's what I mean when I say trends. So here's one. There's a new survey released that shows Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden in the Electoral College and DeSantis hypothetically would lose against Joe Biden in the Electoral College. Now, this seems like it's just some sort of Trump pipe dream that they've come up with, someone that they've hired. But here's the deal. This is a survey conducted by Stack Data Strategy and published by Politico. Politico, that obviously not bastion of conservative Republican politics, the Politico poll is even finding Trump would beat Biden in a hypothetical rematch 292 to 246 in the Electoral College votes. And in a case of DeSantis v. Biden, Biden would beat the Florida governor by a landslide of 359 to 179. So that's really interesting that the same crowd uh, commissioned by Politico of all places is finding this uh, 292 to 246 is maybe not a landslide, but a pretty strong that, you know, you're getting close to 300. That is a strong and commanding electoral college lead. Versus the landslide that in this hypothetical matchup, DeSantis receives from Biden uh, this crushing defeat, 359 to 179. This is really interesting. And, and here are the four key states that this is really kind of shaping up in. And again, I find this a very interesting trend, because as you look at the trend line, even if the, even in the lefty polls, the liberal polls, and I, oh, I hate to say liberal, I shouldn't say that, the lefty polls, the left wing polls that are being cast, you are finding this trend more and more where Trump's numbers are dead even or ahead of Biden, and that gap keeps growing just a little bit. But again, looking at the trend. But here are those four states, the four states that Biden won, Trump, they're finding, the left-leaning polls, is on track to win them back in this upcoming matchup. Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. These are states that Trump won in 2016. Now, you also want to talk about some very interesting electoral shenanigans. Those, in fact, are the states where a lot of that happened. Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania specifically, very, very particularly, those three had incredible shenanigan levels of, of uh, news uh, spinning around them and have since then. So if Trump won them in 2016, if Trump polled them in 2020, if he's polling them again in 2024, and yet he lost them in 2020, maybe that's a conversation we should have uh, all in and of itself. Uh, but of course, that gets dicey real quick. Uh, but But looking at the numbers... This is a very interesting development, and I think that the trend line is undeniable. I'm just, I'll, I'll put a link to this. Post Millennial was writing about it. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Um, I think that trend line is undeniable. Trump wins, absent fraud in 2024. The Republican necessarily doesn't win, apparently, according to the left leaning polls. So that's very interesting. I don't know what it means. Take it for what it is, but I just want to point that out. We talk about polls and trying to help you understand kind of the way that we see things and how we see through some of the phony baloney numbers, but onto the trends that make sense. There you go. There's one of them. So I'll, I'll leave it there. We'll wrap that up with that. Uh, the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you to Ed for leading this show fearlessly every day. Thank you to Mason, my wonderful co-producer, for helping us keep stuff going, uh, getting us good guests, getting good bookings going. And thank you to you for listening to this, for being a part of this, for engaging with us in these conversations. And uh, go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can grab this link, send it to someone else, ask them what they think, sign up for the email list uh, and get the Daily Wink email. And we will look forward to having more of these discussions with you tomorrow back here on the ProAmerica Report. Have a good night, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.